Hey, welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Monday, January 10th, 2022. Sorry, we are a little late getting on, but we thank you for joining us, whether you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube, Facebook or Twitter, or if you're listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders podcast network. Hello, I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, here with Ian O'Connor from Edge Sports to review the last weekend of the regular season, and it was nuts. It was a doozy with some crazy games, and let's start with the craziest game, which was the last game, which is the reason why we are all exhausted today, because we were up so late on the Chargers-Raiders game. With the Chargers, five of six or something on fourth downs, just crazy fourth and long, um, just fourth and long conversions over and over again, and strangely enough, the fourth down that they didn't get was the controversial one that was only for a yard. So our discussion of coaching decisions this week starts with Brandon Staley going for it on fourth and one on his own 18. Yeah, this you mentioned it was crazy. Like I was sitting there running, obviously following the games, running through the model, posting everything. And I think this was the busiest Sunday I've had all season long. Every single game had fourth downs all over the place, had big you know big uh swing scoring changes this and that so but this was the big one obviously or definitely the most controversial of the entire week probably the entire season um that i can remember and it was that fourth and one their own 18 yard line 855 to go only down three so still a lot of time left in this game chooses to go for it it's a 4.7 percent increase in pre-snap win probability by going for it now we're not saying that they win every time they go for it. They lose every time they don't. I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in this, this thing of us saying, oh, it's the better decision. And, you know, people say, oh, well, if they don't get it, they lose. You know, someone had said, well, they, they gave up a free three points. The Raiders didn't even have to try. It's like they did. It's not like the refs just said, all right, you all missed the fourth down. Here's a free three points for that. But this decision, looking deeper into it, you know, sometimes we'll have these decisions and you analyze a little bit further. And it's like, well, it's not as strong as it looks on the surface, but this one definitely is like if they were to convert this, they would increase their win probability by um, 9%. If they were to fail, which they did, and this is failing with a two yard loss, not just failing at the line of scrimmage, go ahead and saying they fail with a two yard loss, they lose 8%. So the required conversion rates only 40% on this at a fourth and one, We'd expect an average NFL team to convert this nearly 70% of the time. Now, however, there's some additional information on this one from NFL Next Gen Stats. They identified the actual distance as 1.31 yards to gain, and they gave the Chargers 59% chance to convert based on this and based on um, historical conversion rates of, of those specific, you know, like 1.3 yards. So although the, this 59% is still closer to 47%, it's still a higher chance for the Chargers to convert than what they need to. And then it's probably even a little bit higher than that 59%, considering the Chargers have the number three offense in uh, in DVOA coming into this game. The Raiders were only 23rd on defense. So Los Angeles expected conversion rate is still probably up into the 60%, and they only needed to convert this less than 50% of the time. So this one, even when you analyze it like deeper down in, um, is, is a clear go in the situation. I think the main reason that this is so controversial right now is because they didn't get it, as it always is. When you fail, it makes oh, yeah, it look so much worse. Kingsbury tried a fourth and one from his own 20 earlier in the day, mm -hmm. except that game was not on national television, and the Cardinals converted it. Yep. And they, they still lost and went on to lose the game. Um, you know, that it's you know, people say you convert, but you lose. You don't convert, you win. Like, 
it's kind of we preach and someone responded to us yesterday saying you've heard this well you know they got it so it, it doesn't matter or they didn't convert that's why it's bad it's like we always preach process over results and i know you all kind of do the same thing saying you know if you're playing blackjack and you hit on 19 and you get a two yeah you get 21 that's great but if you do that on every hand you're not gonna win in the long run at all so it just because it works out a time or two doesn't mean it's the right it's the right decision and this is one of those where Staley didn't work out, but it was the correct decision uh, based on he that powerful on 12, offense. He hit on a 12, and he got a face card. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great analogy um, there. So it, it's, you know, and it seems like, too, in the big, against Kansas City, you know, we had a, a couple of them in these big moments where everyone's watching the games. It, it's They failed in that, like you said, no one was watching. The other game wasn't on national TV. You don't want to say no one was watching it, but everyone was ahead their eyes on this game. For a bunch of reasons, last game of the season, the whole tie would get both of them in, would kick the Steelers out. And same with that that Chiefs game a couple weeks ago was on Thursday night football. It was the only game on everyone's watching, and he happened to fail in that situation. But earlier on in the season, they, they won a game against Kansas City where we actually disagreed with the decision to go for now, it. I don't know if you know this, but Brandon Staley cost the Chargers a playoff spot by not – choosing to go for it only when it works right <laughs> it's because i don't it, know if you know this but when he goes for it on fourth down and it works that's good but if right. he goes for it and it doesn't work he should have seen beforehand through his crystal ball that it wasn't going to work and then not made that decision so he cost the team the playoffs yeah the perfect the best coach in the nfl is one that can predict the future knows exactly what's going to happen on every play um and that's, you know, something Brandon Staley should be able to do. I mean, he, he should be able to see into the, the future and see this stuff. And I'm, but. I'm loving it. Andrew says there's nothing wrong with the decision, but that was a bad play call. And that's like a completely different argument, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, given Justin Herbert and what he did yesterday, in retrospect, you're like, maybe they should have passed the ball for one yard. Yeah. Especially because Herbert can then scramble the yard if nobody's open. But, yeah, well, it wasn't the best play call. I mean, getting stuff two yards behind the line is a good sign that maybe the play call was off. Yeah. And you mentioned Herbert being able to run. I forget who it was on the broadcast, but it was Herbert. I don't know if he had, had a single run. He might have had a uh, one scramble kind of towards the end of the game where he – I remember they were trying to save time. might have been overtime. Um, but didn't really run the ball as much either. But on those plays where you get him where he's got the ability to throw it or run the, as good as he is and as good as he was, they should have just pretended it was fourth and ten at that point. Uh, he converted when it was fourth and long. It's, it's useful. His first points out precognition is a must for all new coach hires. Um, minority coaching report, I guess. Uh, what about the rest of the fourth down goes? Those are not really counted in the edge sports numbers, right? Because they're all like you have to do them to stay in the game. Yeah, we have a, t a threshold we typically use. Um, First, like to kind of filter everything. I don't think we've ever had a, a decision over a 90% relative increase, or it might even be 100 where you're doubling your win probability. That was not an obvious go in late game situation. So we start there, filter those out, and then we kind of look at those under 100%. And some of them we have- Here's an obvious go. If you, if you punt, you lose. Like that's yes. a pretty obvious go. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole final drive. So we'll, it's, we'll have some though that are, you know, you could have one that's a 50% relative uh, increase in win probability. That's actually not an obvious go. Um, 
and then you could have what we've had some that are, you know, in the 20%. It just kind of, it all depends because every situation, every game is so different and you never really have the exact situation between the exact two teams with the exact same customizations that's um, they're also different. So it just depends. But yeah, all those, that final drive, which was one of the greatest drives I think I've ever seen where first and 10, second and 10, third and 10, fourth and 10, they convert second and 10, third and 10, fourth and 10, they convert. It was unbelievably all those are not counted in our coach rankings or in our top five because like you said if you don't do it you'll lose right but they they do count as impactful plays it what shocks me that only one play from this game made the five most impactful plays yeah. of the week yeah it's a little bit surprising i mean most of that is you know that final drive they had you know fourth and 10 from their own 17 they get 13 yards there's you know close to a minute left there's not a good chance of them winning still. Yeah, they get a new set of downs, but you kind of see that going down the field each time. Um, surprised that the one that to win the or to tie the game up wasn't on there with one chance, one chance from the 12. I think they were right around 20%. Um, and then they jumped up to upper 40s uh, based on the fact that the Raiders got the ball first in overtime. They jumped up about 27% or uh, 26%. So that one was the closest to making the top five, aside from this one, the third most impactful. Six minutes left in overtime. Again, you had to have it. They're down three. Fourth and nine at their own 26. And Herbert completes a pass to Mike Williams for a 47-yard gain in the first down. Uh, this was after the, the long completion to Jared Cook. was called back on, I think, first down. But this was a 41.4% increase that would set up the Chargers uh, to tie the game. And, and what brought us down to almost what we, we had talked about all week wasn't very likely to happen based on the fact that Indianapolis was expected to beat Jacksonville and then this game coming down to a tie, but we almost had the, the unlikely happen. Yeah. I don't want to belabor the whole issue that's been debated so much on um, Twitter about the timeout, the, the idea that Brandon Staley calling the timeout was seen by the Raiders as Staley saying F you and then the Raiders were like, well, we were going to tie. We were going to just kneel on the ball, mm -hmm. but now we're going to kick a field goal. Like, makes no sense because they were never kneeling on the ball. What they were doing was they were running the ball to make sure that they either tied or won and didn't give mm -hmm. the ball back to the Chargers. And they were going to kick a field goal if they got close enough. And the big issue is that the Chargers couldn't stop Josh Jacobs. Like, yeah. that's the problem. The problem is not that Staley took a timeout to get his defense right. The problem is that after he got his defense right, they still sucked. The problem <laughs> was the Chargers got run over. It's not that he took a timeout. And Bill Barnwell on ESPN has a great article that I will recommend to everybody going through down by down on this last series and explaining why – this idea that analytics lost the game because Brandon Staley caused, called a timeout, which had nothing to do with analytics, is ridiculous. Uh, we've come to the point where any time that a team with a smart head coach loses, it gets blamed on analytics, even if it's just that Linval Joseph got run over. Like, that's not analytics. That's you gave up a 10-yard run because your run defense sucked. Yeah, and I think sometimes too with with fans, um, or like very casual fans, is they see a decision that they don't understand, and so they blame it. It's just oh, it's an easy one to blame it on. But to your point, and we were looking it up earlier for the podcast we did just a little bit earlier this morning. The Chargers horrible against the run all year. Thirtieth, I think it was in DVOA against the run. 
And I saw another tweet from ESPN or NFL that uh, Josh Jacobs had 130 of his 132 yards yesterday. Last night came after contact, which was insane to me. But just it seemed like there were so many runs where even on that last one, you know, they, they got a hand on him, had, had contact, could have had him down, and he was able to break through. I think the first play of the game was one of those, the first couple of plays where he ended up getting about a 12, 14-yard carry on one that it looked like he should have been tackled at five yards. So, so yeah, I agree. My first thought at the timeout was um, – that it was because you know maybe he didn't like the defense didn't want to give up a touchdown or wanted to didn't want to, the first down basically you know gets them closer and Carlson's been awesome this year so sets it up even closer but even if they didn't gain any yards there it's still a fifty what eight fifty nine yarder I think they were at the Chargers forty one at that point if you're the Raiders I think you're worried about a blocked field goal at fifty nine yep. you don't do it but because yeah. Jacob got ten yards now it's at forty seven now you do it. Yeah, and because I, like they said, I, did have something to gain, right? They the fifth seed instead of the seventh seed means you play Cincinnati instead of Kansas City. If the, you're the seventh seed and you manage to beat Kansas City, guess who you get next? The first seed. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it makes sense that you wanted the higher seed, and they put it in a way where if that field goal misses, they make the playoffs anyway. And you know, mm-hmm. the problem is the Chargers have no run defense. That's the problem. Yeah, and if they were to beat Kansas City, the, the first seed might not be as scary as Kansas City uh, with it being the Titans. No, uh, the Titans point. are not as scary as That's Kansas a different City. story. Even with, the extra week, even with the extra week of rest. Um, another big game with major playoff implications since, you know, the non-tie got the Steelers in. Let's talk about the game that got the Steelers in, which was the win that they got over the Ravens, which is kind of a crazy day in that it has – good and bad calls, including literally our five top five most negative calls of the week were all in this game. But let's start with the positive call. Yep. And one thing kind of before we jump into that one between these two games a little bit is that we would have had the Raiders field goal on the opening drive of overtime in our top five worst if it had been any other week because – the fact that you mentioned and we've talked about a tie was a win for both teams. That fourth and three on the first drive of overtime, a field goal is much better for them because it increases the chances of a tie. So right. that that play kind of gets kicked out because of that reason. And and that's something that we talked about potentially doing some research on for the model. If in these, you know, last week of the season situations when a tie is beneficial, if we're able to account for that. But that's the reason that that one doesn't come in here. Yeah, the, you aren't going to end up with a lot of years like this. You aren't going to end up with a lot right. of years where a tie gets you into the playoffs. Yeah. And interestingly, in the, the game we'll go to here, the Ravens and Pittsburgh, it, it turned out, I feel like when this one went to overtime, no one really knew what a tie meant for these two teams. And then it kind of came out that, that a tie would eliminate both teams. So that, I think, kind of factors into some of the decisions we'll get into. The first one was early in the game, though. 14 minutes left in the second quarter. The Ravens had fourth and two on the Pittsburgh 45. They're down three to nothing, but again, very early. Harbaugh decides to attempt a fake punt. So going for it is the right call. It's a 4.7% increase tied with uh, Staley's decision for fourth best. Uh, the, the problem here is, and we've talked about this a couple of times, there's, you can look at it two ways. The element of surprise, you know, can, can have some merit to it um, to catch a team off guard, but also when you've got a quarterback like Tyler, Tyler Huntley, who we account for, who's so um, he's mobile, can throw the ball, shown that he can get the job done for the most part for Baltimore, that you'd rather have someone like him who can move, 
Uh, Mark Andrews has been very big for them, could, could find him, you know, on a fourth and two. But nonetheless, decides to fake the punt, think through it into, I guess, if you call it double coverage to defenders on the two gunners there on the, the I forget who it even was for Baltimore. Um, but falls incomplete, but still the decision to go for is right. But then it all kind of fell apart for Harbaugh and Tomlin from that point on. Number of costly mistakes here. Uh, he had the fifth worst call, 540 left in the third, fourth and two on his own 42. One that we usually would see him go for. And I wonder if Lamar Jackson was in the game, if he goes for these. I would imagine so, uh, especially with the what is on the line here with the playoffs. But he decides to punt up 10 to six at this point. Four and a half percent decrease in win probability. Another one, the fourth. So that was number five. Number four comes in similar to a Brandon Staley decision. Fourth and one on his own 23, except he's up four with eight minutes left. Decides to punt. And we've seen him go for it in these situations before in his own inside his own 30 when he's trailing. But in a close game, uh, forget the one a few weeks ago, they were only down two points uh, and chose to go for it. So, again, the biggest game of the year for them or with a lot on the line. Surprising to see Harbaugh make decisions the way that he did yesterday. Um, and then coming down, he's got the worst call of the week, which is an interesting one. A minute 17 left, fourth and two on the Pittsburgh 28. They're down by three, takes the kind of temporary victory, moral victory, if you will, ties it up with a field goal, but still leaves Pittsburgh a minute 14, minute 13 left uh, to get down the field, just needing a field goal to win it. And That's going to be a good. controversial one that people will argue with because they'll say you just wanted to tie the game and trust your defense. Mm -hmm. But what they forget about is the value of taking that last minute 17 off the clock. And that's a lot of – minute 17 is a lot of time in this situation. Um, Pittsburgh had a timeout. You know, they're not out of timeouts. They don't have all of them. But still a timeout with a minute and 13 seconds left is a lot of time to, to get down the field when you only need a field goal. And, again, Boswell has been so reliable late fourth quarter and overtime that – and we think of him as one of the, the better kickers in the league as far as uh, the model inputs. Obviously, there's Justin Tucker – the way Scott Brown says it, who's kind of our kicker expert and um, uh, 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 VP of data science here. There's Justin Tucker and everyone else, but Boswell's up in that top tier of kickers uh, in our model. So not needing a lot, that ends up being a big error and was very surprised to see him do that in the first place. And yes, you take the lead, but it's only it could potentially only be for another minute uh, when Pittsburgh gets the ball back. Well, so not take the lead, you tie it. Or sorry, tie, yes, tie it until and then giving Pittsburgh a chance and, to and win Todd it. Todd Stinger uh, makes a good point yeah. in the comments. I wonder if the two previous go-for-broke failures on two-point conversions influenced Harbaugh's decision yesterday. Yeah, they definitely could. I and mean, that's a point that we've you've brought up, I know, a couple of times, Aaron, saying, you know, and those are were more gut feelings versus analytics-based decisions, mm -hmm. but still the the – the thought of, you know, we've lost, you know, a couple games that we maybe could have won. Although the way he, he explained the decision-making, he didn't really think they had a great shot and want to just go ahead and win it there. Um, but totally agree. Like we see, it's, it's rare to see it from a guy like Harbaugh too. That's usually so good that no, that says, Hey, you know, and Staley, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to let, you know, failures affect us. It definitely could have, I'm not sure, but it was, was definitely, um, interesting to see the way it played out yesterday, knowing what we normally see from and our then, ball. And then interesting, they they the field goal, Pittsburgh got the ball, and instead of being able to move the ball, they got stuck and they ended up punting. Yeah, this, this 
I use the word interesting a lot, but this one too, because with this decision and then one that we'll see in overtime from Tomlin are two completely different thought processes, it seems. So yeah, they have 44 seconds left, fourth and one on their own 44. Tomlin chooses to punt, still tied at 13, obviously a 10.4% error. So Baltimore still has two timeouts. I guess the thinking if for him, if you go for it and you don't get it, Justin Tucker's already in field goal range. It's a 62-yarder. The, the conditions weren't the best. There was some yeah. wind, but it, it was nothing like Buffalo, New England. It was rainy, but it wasn't a downpour. You know, with two timeouts, 44 seconds left, they're still, you know, if they get five, 10 yards, you know, there, which is doesn't seem too difficult to do. He's already in field goal range. But at the same time, I think this was one of those that was less than one yard. This might have been a foot, a foot and a half that they needed. And to see him punt um, – you know, he's been one of the more conservative. I see Hitchhiker's Pie mentioning uh, some of the most aggressive and almost the most conservative in the playoffs. Tomlin's one of those. He's dead last in our coach rankings, and he's dead last in CCI, which is our fourth down decision-making metric, has been extremely conservative. So not surprising necessarily to see that fourth and one, but his call in overtime is very surprising. Third worst call of the week. It was that fourth and eight at the It's Baltimore a reverse 41. call. It's one where we yes. thought he should kick. And this one there's, is a little bit kind of more to think about, too, because I mentioned the weather. That's a 59-yarder. field also, yeah. Yeah, and Chris Boswell, I think Scott. Oh, no, sorry, no, it's not high field. It was in Baltimore, sorry. Yeah, Baltimore. And mentioned uh, Boswell has made a 59-yarder. I think it was last year. It was in Dallas, though, I believe he said, which much more favorable kicking environment. But it, he's got the leg to attempt it. One thing that I, I wonder if it went into this decision is the fact that a tie eliminated both teams. And if he punts here, Baltimore, the likelihood of a tie goes way up with Baltimore, you know, at worst or at best being at their own 20 with a little minutes. Right. At worst for Baltimore, they're at their own five or 10. And, you know, maybe being able to pick up a couple of first downs. fourth and eight on the Baltimore 41. We favor the 59-yard field goal try over the fourth and eight. Yeah. And th then that one, again, too, if you miss it, you get them where Justin Tucker – uh, if you miss the field goal, they only need 10 yards for a, a, a upper 50s field goal. If you go for it and don't convert, they need 20, 25 yards, but still over two minutes left, a couple timeouts as well, I think, or maybe one timeout. So a lot of different things, I think, went into this. But, yeah, you mentioned rare. We've had two weeks in a row now with Zach Taylor. I think that was last week, uh, perhaps the week before, against Kansas City where he went for it and we thought he should have kicked the field goal. So two weeks in a row. Um, but he he got bailed out, I guess you could say by Big Ben, and so our third worst call of the week also turns into our fourth most impactful, uh, as you can imagine, the conversion here on that pass to Ray Ray McLeod with a big catch was worth 38.5% in win probability that set up the game-winning field goal. And the Steelers are no doubt the worst team in the playoffs. Absolutely, the AFC, yeah. By DDOA, the AFC ended up with some not-so-strong teams in the playoffs because Cincinnati, Tennessee, Las Vegas, and Pittsburgh are all in the bottom half of the league in DVOA, although Cincinnati, some of that is because of the sitting everybody this week, that they were higher before this week. Who Wasn't there one, was it last year? A couple, I'm trying to remember since I've, I've been here and we've been, um, been using you know, Football Outsiders data and the stuff that I do. There was a team that was almost like historically bad in the playoffs. Was it last year or two years ago? Or am I just thinking it was one of I the I can't remember. It's not recently that I can think of. The worst playoff team ever by our numbers was the Seahawks in 2010. Okay. When they won the division at seven and nine. That's right. Maybe it was the Texans a couple of years ago. Not the worst. The Texans a couple of years really ago were bad. pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, 
Don't forget, there's an updated coach ranking video with Ian and Katie George coming next week, talking about all the coaching vacancies once the dust settles from Black Monday. We'll talk a little bit about Black Monday in a little bit, but first let's just go through the top five most impactful plays of the week. We've got a little graphic. Number five, let's talk about the Packers and Lions. Impactful in that anybody cared about this game, I guess. Right. This one was was funny. Uh, so Packers are down four at this point. Jordan Love's in the game. Second and 10 at their own 25. Uh, only a minute, 23 left. Packers do still have all three of their timeouts. But Jordan Love's pass is intercepted. It's a 31.7% decrease in win probability. As I was watching this, I kind of – or not, not this play earlier – uh, Jordan Love had hit uh, Josiah DeGuara on a pass that he took like 60 yards past some defenders and ended up outrunning into the end zone. Not the fastest guy and was kind of wondering, you know, Green Bay took the lead. It was late. Does Detroit even try? And that got me thinking, oh, is Detroit even trying on this play? Yeah, because this, this with Jacksonville win, 100% chance of not getting the number one pick. So, yeah. So the, with Jacksonville and up to a big lead, I was wondering if they, they would try. I think they've got, uh, Quite a bit of pride, though, wanting to win that game. So this one ended up pretty much sealed it. Uh, so Green Bay had three timeouts. They were able to force the Lions into a field goal for a seven-point lead, but were not able to overcome. Not looking great if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay. I'm As the season goes on, I'm leaning more towards that I think he will stay. As a Packers fan, maybe I've got a little bit more hopefulness to me. But uh, if not, I'm not too thrilled about the next couple of years uh, in Green Bay. Nonetheless, that was our, our fifth most impactful. Number four, just mentioned a moment ago, the Steelers' fourth and eighth overtime conversion, good for 38.5%. Number three was the Chargers' overtime conversion on fourth down at fourth and nine, good for 41.4%. Number two, uh, really not much to explain on this one, the Rams. Uh, overtime, they're down three. The, the 49ers pretty much took up all of overtime to score their, their field goal. Was uh, first and 10. Stafford's pass is intercepted. It's a 46.5% decrease in win probability, um, dropping them down, obviously, to zero. Good for number two. Interesting, too, on that 49ers field goal, mentioning that that one normally, too, would have been a uh, an error on that. I think it was fourth and goal at the six. Wouldn't have been a huge error, but because of the tie, that would have helped them as well. They could have won or gotten in the playoffs with a win or a tie. That one ends up not being an error as well because that rate is discounted a little bit there. And then number one, I was surprised this was as big of a, an impact as it was because it seemed like the Chiefs were a little bit low in my eyes, but um, they were down one, the Broncos leading 21 to 20, eight minutes left, second and two at the Kansas City Nine. So in good position to score. Uh, they score a touchdown, they go up eight, potentially nine if they choose to go for two with eight minutes left. But Melvin Gordon is hit like right as he takes the handoff, fumbles, recovered by uh, Kansas City's uh, Nick Bolton taken back for 86 yards for a touchdown. So Melvin Ingram, the acquisition from just, uh, what, a month or so ago, forces the fumble, comes up with a big play, increases Kansas City's win probability by 59%, up to about 82%, and then they went on to win the game, obviously. Yeah. All right, yeah, that was a huge play because it really reversed the field and gave Kansas City a score. Uh, don't forget, everybody, to make sure that you subscribe to the show, by the way, because we will be back Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with more shows, 1 p.m. Eastern on all of these channels. Uh, let's talk about the decisions that coaches made that had the most positive impact on the game in terms of win probability. Some of these we've covered already. Some of them we haven't. 
Yeah, number five, I guess technically we've got two, again, tied for number four, was Brandon Staley's decision to go for it fourth and one at their own 18. We liked the decision. It was a 4.7% increase in pre-snap win probability. Uh, the Ravens was also 4.7. It was at fourth and two, the, the uh, fake punt uh, at the Pittsburgh 45-yard line early in the second quarter of that game. Number three and number two are both Frank Reich, who's been r- really good in our coach rankings, uh, really good in CCI on fourth down decisions, but absolutely laid an egg yesterday, as we know the Colts lost this one. But it was two fourth downs, both trailing seven to nothing at the time. One was early second quarter. One was mid-first quarter. The, the number three was fourth and one at the Jacksonville 35. They increased their win probability by 4.8%. They did convert this one. The second one, they did not convert. It was a fourth and two at the Jacksonville 42. Got half the yards. Um, was a 5.5% increase in pre-snap win probability. But, again, uh, did not convert on this one. So right. You don't really get to judge decision, based though. on whether Taylor gets the first down. They were both the right decision, but only one of them worked. Yeah, the one from the 35 is, you know, a decent field goal, uh, you know, like a 53 yards, nothing too crazy. The second one would have been like a 60 yarder, so it's that, or a punt. Uh, punt is actually what we have as the the second best option there. But, yeah, making the, the decision to go for is correct. And then number one, Andy Reid. This one's pretty clear. Uh, Chiefs down by four, two minutes left in the third quarter, fourth and one at the Denver 48 with, with that Chiefs offense. Um, you're across midfield. You only need one yard at 8.7%. That's a really but that's time left in the game. So really uh, clear decision. Andy Reid has been one of the, the best in the last uh, last handful of years when it comes to fourth downs, especially with Patrick Mahomes. So no surprise to see that one uh, in, on the top decisions with Andy Reid making the right call. Normally, this is where we would transition to another graphic that shows the worst play calls of the week, but I'm going to skip that one because we've already covered them all. They were all in the Steelers-Ravens game that we've already discussed. Yeah, there's one that that I I won't run through them, but Aaron, there's one that I want to talk about that's not in the top five that was a big topic of discussion as well. It was uh, Vic Fangio's decision to kick a field goal. uh, Fourth and nine at the Kansas City 13. I think it was about four and a half minutes left, 440. Seems like a really bad decision. Um, we have it as only a 0.3% error. They were around 15% to win either way. Yeah, four to nine is a one, long way to go. I think the exactly. reason the error is because you're Denver, you're not making the playoffs. What do you have to lose? Go for it. Exactly. And that's obviously something that, that you know, we it, it's almost impossible to account. Maybe not almost impossible, but very difficult to account for that in a model. Um, but looking deeper into this one, like we did with the, the Chargers one, the required conversion rate on this one is 35.8%. And looking at uh, historical conversion rates of a fourth and nine around the midfield, kind of that open field area is around 33%. So down closer to the end zone like that, it's probably going to be lower than that. Considering the Denver offense against the Chiefs defense, that's been really good lately, is going to lower that even more. So really the the chances of converting are probably lower than what what they would need to convert at. So really not as bad of a decision as people make it out to be, except for the fact you mentioned of you've got nothing to lose. You know, you're playing Kansas City. Uh, a loss doesn't hurt you. He was probably – there was a lot of talk about him losing his job anyway. You you just – it's the ultimate nothing to lose situation, I think. So, yeah, Fangio lost his job the next day. And um, so far today, Mike Zimmer, Matt Nagy, and Brian Flores. That was the shocker was Brian yep. Flores getting fired after two straight winning seasons in Miami. 
Uh, we know that the Jaguars will need a new head coach, and we don't know what's going on with the Raiders because now that they made the playoffs, maybe they keep Rick Basaccia. But it's still you have to consider that an open slot that Basaccia will just be considered for. So uh, we can discuss this more on the Wednesday Ask Me Anything show. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the coach firings. But uh, do you have any first thoughts about which is the best opening? We we talked about this in our podcast earlier. I agree. The Brian Flores one was was surprising. I know there were reports of uh, Deshaun Watson being interested in Miami because of Flores. Um, there's other that reports that certain players didn't get along with him. So okay, I also heard him and Chris Chris Greer. I think had some um, I guess turmoil, if you will, there. But as far as best mm-hmm. best opening, that's one Scott and I talked about uh, not too long ago on, on the podcast this morning. Denver, I think, has the best roster out of all these. They really, it seems like, just need a quarterback. A lot of the talk last offseason was if they got Aaron Rodgers, they would, you know, be a Super Bowl contender right away. The only problem there is that division. You're facing Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Mahomes and the Chiefs, and even Derek Carr and the Raiders for the next 10, 15 years Um, in Minnesota. So I, I would probably lean Minnesota because. They've got the they've got a good offensive pieces. Um, can build up the defense a little bit better, which wasn't bad to start the season. I don't think, especially last year, they had all the injuries that were were tough. But in a division where even if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, it's three, four years, maybe five years max. If you know if they hold on to him, you've well, got Chicago I mean, window to win is three three or four years. So you don't right. want Rodgers to stay in Green Bay. But you're right. Exactly. If if Rodgers leaves, that's not a very difficult division. Yeah, and if Rodgers does stay and you're even able to compete, I mean, we saw Minnesota win this division, was it two years ago, two, two or three years ago? Um, hasn't been too long, you know, against a good Green Bay team. So even if you're able to compete, stick around, maybe, you know, make the playoffs a time or two, and then Rodgers is gone. So you've got Chicago and Detroit over there. Who who knows what's going to happen with them? But I think I would lean towards Minnesota. Miami, you've still got to compete with. Um, the Bills and the Patriots, who, who should be pretty good for years to come as well. I, I would lean Jacksonville uh, because you get Trevor Lawrence. Yep. I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, and I don't think the other teams in that division look too tough to take on for the next couple of years. So I think Jacksonville, even though you, you may be stuck working with Trent Balky, I feel like having Trevor Lawrence makes that the most attractive job. And speaking of Vegas, you mentioned like that one's an interesting one because Visaccia obviously wasn't hired on as the head coach. You know, they kind of had had their struggles, but they obviously turned it around to make the playoffs. He was really bad when it came to fourth down decision making. Um, the the combination of him and Gruden in our first release of head coach rankings after week nine, they were sixth in CCI. They dropped all the way down to 28th prior to week 14 or 15. They've only moved up a few spots, but he had our best call a couple weeks ago, a really good one against Indy that we covered on the show last week that led to uh, the go-ahead touchdown that helped them win and then had a a really good fourth down last night that led to a touchdown uh, ultimately ended up winning that game. So that'll be interesting, I think, in the fact that he's done, you know, what you could ask him to do as an interim coach, but he wasn't hired on as a head coach. So not sure. Um, I know Joe Judge, too, is one that – is, I've seen reports he He's is staying in New York, which is uh, sorry Giants fans, but I, <laughs> after his his display yesterday and seemed seemed very aggressive and defensive in his post game comments about why he did the quarterback sneak on third and nine, that kind of turned me off as just a fan watching that press conference. I I wasn't a wasn't really a huge fan of that, and we've all had our criticisms of him the last two years when it comes to his 
conservative nature, his punts on fourth and I think one of them this year was fourth and three at the Atlanta 39 yard line shows the punt. And that's it. Like that's it. He does it all the time. So it's that one is kind of questionable uh, to me that they're retaining him. Giants absolutely look like the worst team in the league going into next year. Mm -hmm. Because at least the Jaguars have the promise of Lawrence. The Jets have the promise of Wilson. The Lions have what feels like a good head coach and some talent. <laughs> the Giants just look like a freaking disaster. They look like the worst team. Yeah. Them, or Houston. Them or Houston look like the worst team in the league. Even Houston has a young quarterback that had, they can have some thoughts about. Uh, yeah, Mills, has Mills, better, Mills has been better than Jones this year, honestly. So. All right, let's wrap up the show because I'm exhausted because I was up till 2.15 in the morning thanks to that game. Uh, but we'll be back Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern for the Ask Us Anything show with me and Mike Tanier and guest to be determined. So we'll talk plenty more about the coach carousel, I'm sure, on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ian, for joining me. Ian's going to be back next Monday where we will review the first weekend of the playoffs except for the Monday night game, because there'll be a Monday night game next weekend. Yeah. Very exciting. We'll have All a right, betting period for that one, though, so that'll be good. Enjoy the show. Enjoy uh, your week. Enjoy the college football championship game tonight, and I will talk to you Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, on all of these services. Talk to you then.